Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please make sure you are liking, sharing, following, subscribing to us on whatever streaming service you are listening on. Leave us a review, a rating. You can tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge each and every week. Today, we're sitting down with Hallie Kearns. Now, her musical journey began in her hometown of Columbia, Missouri. At that time, she knew she loved country music, but she didn't exactly know how to go about pursuing it. After high school, she moved to Kansas City to begin the process, and two years later, she moved to Nashville to officially begin the dream of becoming a country music artist. Now, in 2020, she released her debut EP with the perfect title, Finally. Now, throughout our conversation, we talked about all the wonderful things that have happened so far over the past five years since she has been pursuing this dream. But the one thing that continues to pop up is no matter how much success comes her way, she will continue to stay humble and never forget where she comes from. So please enjoy our conversation with Hallie Kearns. I read in another interview, you said that basically from your car seat days, you've been singing along to George Strait. And so talk about those days. Was it all country music and music around the house? Were your parents those type of people? Yeah, definitely. I think um, both of them listened to a lot of different kind of music, but I feel like for us kids, especially, I'm not sure why, but it was always country music that was playing. And um, it's one of those things that you, as a kid, you just get attached to certain music and you ask for it over and over and over again. And I remember specifically always asking for either the Blue Bare Feet CD, which was the Dixie Chicks um, CD, or um, the Blue Star CD, which was Martina McBride's Independence Day. So yeah, it's just been um, kind of instilled in me since I was super little. And I, it's just what I grew up loving. So it's what naturally came out when I started creating music. And do you remember what song you first started to sing along to? I'm not positive what the first one was, but I do know that If I Fall was one I tried to sing along to pretty frequently. Um, and my mom said I would always sing instead of If I Fall, you're going down with me. I'd say Fee, Fi, Fa, Fo, Fo. Like, I just kept like, <laughs> Fee, Fa, Fo. <laughs> there were no actual words in it. I just made up my own little scat and called <laughs> it good. Nice. And when did your voice start to come through? Like, when did you and or your parents sort of start to realize that you had a singing voice? Um, you know, I'm going to be totally transparent with you. I still feel like some days it's coming through. <laughs> no, but um, I started really growing a love for it when I started playing guitar around 13 years old. Um, and that I fell in love with that first. So I um, almost started singing to kind of accompany my guitar playing. Uh, I know that sounds kind of backwards, but I just loved the instrument um, and I really wanted to get good at it. And then I just wanted something to accompany it. So I started singing and I look back at videos and I have no idea why anyone was like, yeah, Hallie, go for this. Absolutely. But I'm so glad they did because, you know, voices can develop and everything over time. But I think um, it just took a lot of years of practice and, and getting better. I don't have one of those stories like I came out um, in the into the world singing, singing like Mariah Carey, but um, I definitely have a love for it. So it's, it's just grown over the years. <laughs> and you do have a picture that you posted on social media. It looks like you're around five and you're standing in front of what looks like a makeshift stage with a mic in your hand. So maybe even though you didn't have a voice that you loved and, and didn't have a great singing voice, was it something that resonated with you and just being up on a stage like that? 
Absolutely. We have photos of my older sister and I dressed up in like little uh, jean skirts and cowboy hats and boots and uh, pretending to be the Dixie Chicks and just running around performing. And I've always loved performing. I've always loved getting up in front of people. And I have always loved storytelling mostly. So it was a whole mix of all of that. Just a, an intense passion. Absolutely. And on the side of that picture, there is a little like banner that says something and I couldn't make out what it said. Is that like a marquee that you had created for yourself? Yes, my mom created it for me. Um, it, I can't remember exactly what it says, but it's something along the lines of like um, starring today, Hallie and Friends or something like that. So we had a big, every um, birthday party I had growing up was some kind of centered around performance or just drama, honestly, just such a drama queen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, she had each of us go through, she'd announce us and we'd walk through the curtains all dramatically and, you know, make our entrance. So it was really cute. So going into school then, were you into sort of the performance drama and the stage performance side of it as well? You would think so, but no, I actually didn't do any uh, music in high school, which I wish I would have to be completely honest, but I was really, I wasn't shy, um, but in certain areas of my, of my life, I think I was. And um, music for me was actually something I wasn't super comfortable talking about or sharing with other people. And probably until my senior year, um, I kept that really quiet. And for the first, you know, three, four years, I played guitar and started singing. I did it in the privacy of like my, my bedroom. That's the, really the only place I would do it. And, um, I think it wasn't a surprise when I came to my, my dad with it because he, he could hear me all the time and I had no idea. I thought I was being sneaky, you know, but I'd disappear <laughs> for three, four hours and just be in my room, just singing nonstop. And he could hear me through the air vents, you know, and just wailing down there. So he knew that I loved it a lot. And, um, after years and years of pursuing it, even quietly, he, I think it was, it was pretty obvious whenever I brought that conversation to him. And when you were 13 or 14, you talked about learning the guitar. Now I've heard you talk about that was around the time of your parents' divorce as well. So I wanted to ask sort of how that unfolded, because it feels this year is sort of a similar situation where people's lives are thrown into turmoil. And so they turn to music because of that. And then coming from the other way, the music helps them to get through it. And so with you, did that situation drive you towards the guitar? And did that help you navigate through that situation? Yeah. So I was about 12 when my parents split up and I don't think I realized it at the time how much I relied on music and kind of that, that therapy you get through it until I got a lot older and was able to reflect on it. But yeah, you can look at a direct correlation on timeline, you know, from when my parents split and then when I really started diving into music, um, it's about like an eight month timeline, which I, I picked up a guitar and then just became obsessed with it. And I really do think it became this source of therapy for me that I wasn't getting elsewhere. Like, and I just, I was able to kind of self, self-help, you know, it was, it was really great. And I was able to find artists and connect with artists that were saying things I was feeling and experiencing for the first time through songs and lyrics. And I thought it was such a beautiful gift. And I was like, I want to do that for people. I want to be able to write these songs that they can listen to and be like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I was feeling that until I heard them say it that way, you know? And um, I think that's where we get into that the most recent song I released, Nothing Left, I think I'm finally starting to tap into like actually sharing my story and not just the surface level story, but really like what I've experienced in my life and, and what, what makes me, me. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you about. Cause I saw in your social post for Nothing Left that it's a story you've been eager to share since you first picked up the guitar. And so is it more than just that 
your parents splitting up? Like it, it felt like there was a story of insecurity there that Absolutely. you wanted to share. Absolutely. You know, it's layered. It's been I mean, 24 years of it. So there's so many um, stories and experiences that I want to write about and share with everyone. Um, I'm getting comfortable in my artistry and in and everything enough to finally feel like I can really be vulnerable and and tell people what's really going on because I I do have a side of me that's super happy and loves to like go out with my friends and have fun and whatever but like that's not all there is so I want to get real about the hard stuff and the stuff that um is hard to talk about sometimes because I know that that is where people need connection most. And the song that you wrote for your dad, Shoes to Fill, that was a very personal song for you as well. And so with Shoes to Fill, writing about your dad and writing about that personal journey, and then going into Nothing Left, what was the writing process like for that? Was Nothing Left a more difficult song to write because of how personal it is to you and not necessarily just towards someone else? Yeah, it was definitely um, harder, but also easier in a different kind of way. So writing about my dad is easy because he's my favorite human on the planet. It's so easy to talk about him and to brag on him. So that song was just exciting to write. And I knew it was going to be a cool gift to give him. And um, is overall just a really a cool moment. But um, nothing left. It, it was almost hard to go there. I love talking about that kind of stuff with my co-writers and um, all my friends know I can't you know, keep it surface level very long. I just want to talk about more. Um, but honestly, Kendall Brower and David Mescon are the two people I wrote it with Messi. Um, and talking to Kendall, she is the exact same in me as me in that way. Uh, so we were able to really dig into that and ask each other questions and almost pull it out of each other that way. And after I wrote it, you know, I really didn't intend on releasing it right away. I wrote it and I thought, you know, this is, this is, really amazing and it felt really great to get that out but I don't think it's large enough to I don't think enough people could relate to it like I was thinking this is such an intimate experience and something that is so personal that I almost didn't feel like anyone would be able to relate to it until I posted a little demo on TikTok just you know I'm like I don't really have anything to post let me just post this song I really like it and people were like I've been feeling this way my whole life or you know and I connected with like mothers who feel this way and people who are EMTs or you know like all these different walks of life that are experiencing um, completely different stories, but that same emotion within it. And it was so cool to watch people plug in their own experiences with my lyrics. So it's exactly the full circle thing where like, that's why I, why I started doing this, you know? And that's got to be a pretty amazing feeling because in the past to have people connect with your songs like that, you would have to perform them live and then sort of get that feedback right away. But nowadays you can do that. You can post it online and instantly get that feedback, right? So that, well, it has to be a scary feeling of posting it and what's going to happen when I post this, but then an amazing feeling when you get that rush of feedback. Yeah, it absolutely was. And I almost felt guilty um, after putting it out because I I just thought, you know, the song is so defeating and it just, it's so kind of hopeless at the end of it. You know, there's not a lot of resolve to it. And I, I actually was talking to one of my, my peers who's also an artist and I'm like I feel like almost guilty today um I there's an extreme happiness that comes with the release but also I feel kind of guilty and I just felt this weight of you know people were duetting it on TikTok and hundreds and thousands of people were commenting and just these heavy stories and I'm like I feel like I'm just bringing them to this dark place and leaving them there because I'm not giving them any resolve and he was just saying you know it's not about 
it's not always about the answer. Sometimes it's just about the relationship and the connection and knowing you're not alone and experiencing something like life isn't always I'm going through something and then there's this beautiful ending. Like sometimes it's just hard and it's okay to talk about that and sit in that for a little bit. So that made me feel a lot better. About it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a really awesome release and feel like it opened a, a new avenue for me for sure. You mentioned the conversation that you had with your dad, basically coming into the end of high school and the fact that like getting a day job didn't resonate with you and you were really focused on doing the music thing. Now, what was his response? And sort of when you told him that in one point, you're excited because you love music, but in the other area, were you sort of afraid of how do I go about it? What do I do? How do I manage a career in music? Yeah, all of that. Um, so we actually talk about it all the time because, you know, timelines blur a lot of emotion, I feel like. Um, you know, the longer you get, a, the further you get away from an emotion, it's just harder to remember where you were at. And so it's cool to have someone who was right there with me through all of it to kind of remind me, like, you know, of those days. And um, I remember graduating. I'm from Columbia, Missouri, which is a college town. It's where Mizzou is. So it's, you know, the natural response in pretty much any high school, but especially in a college town like that, if you don't know what you're going to do, you go to college and you figure it out. You know, that's, and that's wonderful. And that's great. It's just, it's not that I didn't want that for myself. It's that I wanted something else. Like I, it wasn't that I was trying to avoid a day job or like avoid, you know, the college route. It was just that I really had something I was super excited about pursuing. So with that being said, I don't have anyone in the industry that I knew at this time. I have, I've never played a show. There are all these things that make no sense for why I was so eager and certain that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Because um, looking back, I'm like, what was that thing that turned it all over and made me be like, yeah, this is it. I don't have one specific thing. I have no idea what it was. It was just this, I feel like I really am here to do this. So um, I had that conversation with my dad. I ended up moving to Kansas City for two years, um, which is about two hours from my hometown. It's where my family went after I graduated. Followed them there thinking I'd stay for a little bit. But once I got there, you know, all my friends are, they graduated, joined sororities, and that's wonderful. But I felt so on the outside. You know, I felt so alone in my whole process because they're all making new friends and stuff. And I'm sitting at home, like still living with my parents. Like, what, what do I do? Like, <laughs> I know what I want and I see, I can see it for myself, but I have absolutely no idea how to take steps to get there. And Ignorance was bliss in, in this season of my life because I started Google searching, like literally took my computer, Google search, music venues near me. And I'd pack up my guitar, 18 years old, and I'd walk into them and just like, hey, can I, can I play here? <laughs> and like, that's not how it works. And um, I had a lot of people who were super kind and who, you know, just kind of patted me on the back and be like, yeah, send us an email, you know, like get out of here. And other people who were like, let me play a song for them and everything in between. It was just, um, I didn't know how to do it. So I just tried something and I kept trying things. And then eventually I learned like phone calls, emails, that's kind of the more professional way to go about it. Um, but I made like a lot of cool connections through that and slowly just started booking shows. And I, for about three and a half, four years, I played 300 shows um, just by starting with the tiniest little coffee shop in the corner, you know, where they basically have me muted. I'm just background noise, <laughs> like, you know, moving up to like a little ticketed door, $5 at the door, and then slowly just building that up. Um, and 
then I moved to Nashville. And so it just, it kind of just all stumbled upon itself. But yeah, there was a long season, um, way getting back to your question, but um, there was a long season, probably about at least six months where I was so lost and so confused. And I did that for a couple of weeks, walk into these venues and I hadn't heard anything. And I just felt so defeated because I'm like, I see what I want and I see it so clearly. And I have absolutely no idea and no resources or tools to, to get me there. Um, it felt like at that time. So yeah. And I just, I don't know. I think that's a really cool testament to like stick it out. If there's something you want and you know that it's right, like even if it, everything in the world is pointing like to the opposite direction, like just stick with it, you know? What was it that changed within you? Like you say, when you started playing guitar and singing, you were afraid to do it in front of other people. You just did it alone in your room. So what changed over that little bit of time to go from, I don't want anyone to hear me to this is all I want to do. And no matter what I have to do, I'm going to do what I have to, to perform it in front of other people. Yeah. Um, I just think it was repetition, honestly. Um, yeah, the first time I got on stage for an open mic and by open mic, it was my dad, I think maybe two, one or two of my sisters and the bartender. Uh, <laughs> and I got on stage and I'm shaking. I mean, my hands are vibrating. I can barely play guitar because I'm so nervous. Sang three cover songs and got off stage. Felt like crying, but like I was so like exhilarated and felt so excited. And then the second time, same place, same open mic, maybe two weeks later. And I called in and canceled because I was so scared. I got, I worked myself up all day long, made myself sick over how anxious I was, ended up calling and canceling. Like that's how bad my stage fright was starting out. And especially in front of people I knew and, and, uh, you know, my family and uh, friends from high school and that kind of stuff. Like I was just terrified for them to hear me because I think it was an acceptance thing. Again, that insecurity of like, will they like me if they hear this and whatever. But if you just continue and continue to do it, started posting videos on YouTube that helped a little bit build my confidence. And um, and then just again, the stage fright still isn't completely gone. When I get on stage, I'm still a little nervous, but I feel like I've learned how to take that anxiety and turn it into excitement and let those nerves kind of fuel me and get me pumped instead of, but it's, it's been a process again, 300 shows later and I'm still nervous. So it's, it's just been over and over and over again, learning to, to channel that. (laughs) And so after being in Kansas city for a couple of years, what was it that made you believe that Nashville was the right place and it was the right time to move there and get that process moving? Um, I had started taking trips to Nashville my final year in Kansas City. I went about once a month. Uh, I had a family friend here. I still have a family friend here who's amazing. Her name's Christine Mayer, and she's like my Nashville mama. I love her to pieces. Uh, But she would let me stay with her, so I was able to take trips like once a month. Um, And eventually, she needed my help around the house, and just I was able to uh, come up at that time and just kind of help her, and she was letting me stay there rent-free, and it was just like this really cool situation got me here finally in March of 2019. I feel like I kind of played where I could in Missouri, wanted to keep expanding that, knew I had to get here too. I kept hearing that advice as I was taking taking uh, trips here. You know, everyone I talked to in the industry was just like, you gotta move here, you gotta move here. So um, I knew that that was coming eventually. And then everything just kind of clicked right at the right time in March of 2019 and made the move. When you got to Nashville, was it an eye-opener in sort of figuring out who you wanted to be as a musician, as an artist? I took the first year here in Nashville to 
do nothing but write, write, write. Because I had actually, on a trip here, I recorded my first EP, which is rarely spoken about. <laughs> it's rough. Um, they're all songs, four songs that I had written completely on my own. And I had never really co-written prior to that. So I just, I went with it and it was heartbreaking because I got the whole thing back and I wasn't in love with it like I thought I would be. And it was, it was heartbreaking because it's my first time spending like a, a good chunk of money on it, a lot of time, so much heart and energy. And I got it back and I just wasn't thrilled with it. And I remember having to tell my dad, I was like, I'm not putting this out. And, you know, he was like, no, you have to. And I was like, I can't. And it was just kind of this almost felt like it put me back at ground zero. And I know it didn't. It's part of my story and it pushed me forward. But at the time, it felt like, what am I even doing? What am I like? Because I didn't have the songs of that anymore. I thought I did and got them back and I just didn't love it. And I just realized like the songs aren't where I want them to be. I feel like I'm trying to be someone I'm not because I thought if I'm going to do country music, I got to be country. <laughs> right. You know, I got to put my boots on and put on my country twang and go for it. And it's like that. It just wasn't. I feel like I was almost like faking an accent somewhat like. Oh, really? Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> but I just um, I realized it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. So I was like, okay, well, what do I want to be doing? What do I want to sound like? And once I got in Nashville, I think it showed me like there are, there are no, it's a limitless amount of lanes you can take. Um, so finding what is yours, because that's the only thing that's going to bring any kind of fulfillment is when you're writing and producing out music that feels like you and not someone else. So it took a long time. It took at least a year of me writing nonstop to, and I wrote, you know, everything from like honky tonk songs to like, I wrote one EDM song. <laughs> between like I tried it out and I, I feel like I found my place and I found you know the music that I want to listen to and the music that is what I want to create like this is what I would I would turn on if I was you know in my car and doing whatever you know so yeah it was a process though yes <laughs> pick me up that was your first release right Yes, yes, yes. And so you talk about finding your sound. You have this song ready to go. You've spent the past year figuring out who you wanted to be. When you were ready to release that song, were you confident this is who I want to be? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I was. Um, I knew for sure that that song is me and it's still me and it's it's exactly what I wanted to be doing. Was I confident in the release period? Um, I don't know. I knew that I knew I loved the song. I knew it was right when I got to a place where I genuinely was thinking to myself, even if everyone hates it, I'm still proud of it. And that's what I needed to get to um, before releasing music. But with that being said, don't let that mean that I am was super confident. And I was I was still it's a scary process. It's been six years in the making. Um, I've been playing out and kind of building this base back home and and making all these friends in Nashville and stuff. And six years into that, I finally released my first single. So it was, there was a lot of weight on it, I feel like for me, just from my uh, standpoint. So it was definitely a, a scary release, but I was thrilled. The second it dropped at 11 p.m., I was sobbing, like happy tears. It was, it was a really cool moment, but it was a lot of build up getting there. <laughs> that is awesome. And I think I saw that after the initial release, of Pick Me Up when you released it in July of 2020. It was about seven weeks after that, that you posted a clip online, just saying there was sort of a realization. It was going to happen. This was going to be successful. And do you remember that moment of just when it sort of hit you? 
Um, which post are you talking about in particular? You were sitting journaling and you were just kind of going oh, over the exactly sort of last about. week. Yes. yes, yes, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about now. Okay. Absolutely. I know. Okay. That moment, I think that was after, it was either after, yeah, I drink whiskey or. Yeah, it was just fell. after I drink whiskey, I believe. Yes. Yes. Because I had taken time finally, like a rollout process is so much more than, you know, just actually putting the song out and the day of, okay, everything's done. Like little press here and there. No, it's like, it just takes weeks and weeks prior and post release. So um, pre and post. But I remember sitting outside, I was just like in a hoodie and I was journaling and I was sitting there. I'm like, this is, this is what I'm doing this for. Like having, getting, I feel like these people were finally like connecting with the music. I, they were posting uh, videos of them, like dancing to the songs and just having a blast and like enjoying life and, and using my music to, to assist in that. And it was so cool. I just have never experienced that before. Like maybe in concert singing my songs, people and they're listening and they're dancing, but never people who are completely away from me taking time out of their day to like experience a piece of me. I don't know. It was just a really, really interesting realization. I was sitting there journaling about it. And I'm like, I got to record this like feeling emotion. And I just wanted to share it with everyone. And yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I haven't thought about that in a long time though. I'm glad you brought that up. That's awesome. And another event that you captured was the first time on the highway and especially telling your parents, like, what was that moment like? <laughs> Still, to this day, one of my favorite moments so far. Um, again, a radio station I grew up listening to forever. Um, and no one, it just, I don't want to keep using the word validating, but it just felt so validating. It felt like I would work really, really hard. And I know that so many people in this town do that, but, and I just, I poured my heart and soul into this for so long. And I think everyone has a little bit of that imposter syndrome. Like, am I doing this? Am I doing anything right? Am I just crazy? Am I making all this up in my head? <laughs> but to get that call and not, I didn't, he didn't owe me anything. No one, like, I didn't know anyone. There was no connections there. Like this was strictly off of the music, strictly off of, you know, he heard something and he liked it and he wanted to play it on the radio. And that, like, <laughs> that gives me chills still to this day. Like I, it just made me feel so proud and that I had worked that hard and come that far and um, just thankful for the opportunity. And I remember calling my dad and, and my mom and, you know, they've been around since day one of all this too. So it's just that full circle moment of like, okay, here's like one of these milestones and it's not the only thing, but it's a thing that we get to celebrate. And you get a few of those as you go on, you know, and those moments, I feel like you just really need to sit in and soak in and, um, I was able to do that and sob and sob and sob that, day. <laughs> that whole weekend, honestly. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. And you've been able to play some shows this year. Now, what has that been like to be playing shows with your music that you're so proud of? And I imagine people were already singing it back to you because of all last year, you know, having it on repeat. So what has it been like? Oh, it's just the most amazing feeling in the world it's exactly what I thought it would feel like um I've dreamed about it forever and ever and um one instance in particular I got to go home and sing um at this uh song contest I got to be like the guest 
afterwards. Um, and it's again, my hometown. So it was just cool to be back there in general. It's always fun playing hometown shows. And I look into the crowd as I'm singing, it was shoes to fill, of course, too. Like the sentimental tearjerker. I'm looking into the crowd. There's a little girl sitting front row. (laughs) She's singing shoes to fill. And I'm not kidding you. I'm like, I have to look away from the microphone. I turn away from, I was like, I'm going, I can't look at her anymore. Like this, I waited for this moment for so long and I can't even look at her because this is, I'm going to break down and sob on this stage. (laughs) But that, I'm not even kidding you. Two weeks later, I came home and I went through all these boxes I have of just like music, memorabilia. And um, I found this little country fair flyer, not in county fair, country fair flyer from somewhere in Missouri. And it says it has my bio printed out in it. And at the very end, the very last sentence was something along the lines of if Hallie can one day play her songs and have a little girl singing them back to her, she would have achieved her wildest dreams. I am not even kidding you word for word it just and I was like this is two weeks after and I just started crying all over again I'm like this is I'm watching my dreams come true in real time and it's so hard to grasp <laughs> it's just so great but the shows have been amazing and getting to sing to people and have them sing back to me and just it's so fun you know because I got to do with cover songs for so long but yeah finally with my own my own thoughts and lyrics that is amazing <laughs> and moving forward I wanted to talk about CASA C-A-S-A and your involvement. Just talk about what that is, what they do, and why you want to be involved. Absolutely. So CASA, um, they are a group of court-appointed court specialists um, who will, they work with foster care, um, foster children, and they are people who are specially picked out to be kind of just like a role model and a person, um, a consistent person in these child's lives while they're going through the foster care system. Um, and going through the whole court process because it's it's very brutal and long and um, just really hard on these kids. So long story short, CASA is just like an amazing, amazing organization that I actually got in touch with at that show. That was a, an, a charity event for CASA that I was okay. talking about. But um, they are incredible people with the biggest hearts and just they just want to love on kids and, and help them make a really hard process a little bit easier. Um, so it's a really, really cool organization and I'm trying to get involved as much as I can. And we've been in contact with, with them and we're trying to, um, just help out in any way we can, whether that's financially or, um, just spreading the word and stuff. It's a new partnership and I'm so excited about it because it's something that's very near and dear to my heart too. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm stoked to be able to, to get on board with them and help however I can. And another partnership is with little mother jewelry and they're sort of linked as well because some of their proceeds from their jewelry is going to go to the organization. And so moving forward, I know you already have some other partnerships on the go, but moving forward as you become more well-known and you're able to create these partnerships, how important are the partnerships and also that you create the right partnerships? Uh, that is literally everything. I think choosing the right people. Um, I just want to help people in any way I can um, and just love on people well throughout my life. So I I want to make sure the people that I align with have the same goal in mind. Um, I'm actually wearing Happy Little Mother necklace right now, but oh, nice. she's an amazing woman. Her name's Aspen, who creates over there. And uh, we got to meet up and she has the same vision. She's um, actually started a charity on with through her company on her own um 
with something she's extremely passionate about. And I just, I really love people with a heart for other people. So I want to make sure that anyone I'm working with and choosing to align with is no longer like a self-serving thing and more about a bigger picture and just um, giving back in any way that we can. Because I've been given incredible opportunities and I see how fortunate I am in so many different ways. So I want to be able to use that and give back and have people around me who want, want to do the same thing. And you talk about how fortunate you are. You talk about that right up with the quote of, if I can have someone singing my songs. Now, moving forward, as you get busier and life ahead of you gets so busy, how important is it going to be for you to take some time to continually look back and look at where you've come from and look at what you have achieved without just always having to look forward? I think that is probably one of the most important steps of the process is having that self-awareness enough to reflect. Um, And thankfully, when I struggle with that, I have a lot of really, really good people around me who are going to be able to be like, hey, get it together. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? A lot of people who will be able to um, hold me accountable and and remind me of those things because I'm not always the one who's, you know, coming up with that. Like sometimes I have my dad in my ear like, hey, remember whenever you felt like this or um, you were at this milestone and thinking that that was really crazy. Look at this, you know, and just um, giving me these things to kind of keep me going, keep me encouraged and keep me grounded, most importantly. So um, I have a ton of just incredible human beings around me that I love with all my heart. So I know that I will not be um, it'll be if I ever try to, you know, forget where I came from or, um, you know, if I start becoming ungrateful for anything, I have a lot of people around me who are will very quickly <laughs> fix that. So <laughs> I'm not too concerned about it yet. Well, congratulations on everything. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. You rock. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you once again so much for joining us and thank you to Hallie for stopping by and sharing her story. Be sure to check out her new EP, Finally, wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us on whatever streaming service you are listening on. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Thank you once again for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. (laughs) 